So, um, gosh, I accepted Christ in 1993 when I was 22 years old. And um, the weird thing is I grew up in a Buddhist home. And so I never understood all the Christian lingo, the Christian vocabulary that people would say, especially during Easter. And, uh, and so I would go to church, and it was a wonderful church. Yo-Yo and Bert and I, we, would, uh, we attended this church, but sometimes I felt uncomfortable. I felt loved, but sometimes I felt uncomfortable. Um, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like an outsider because I didn't understand the lingo. I didn't understand the vocabulary, the slangs that they use, the terminology they use, especially during the Easter season. And so I just wanted to say that um, I don't want any of you to feel uncomfortable like you're, you feel like an outsider because you don't understand uh, the lingo or the vocabulary and you feel like, oh, they're part of the in crowd and I'm part of the out crowd because I, I don't get it. And so this morning, I just wanted for the first uh, few moments of the sermon, I just wanted to go through some terminology, some vocabulary. Is that okay? I'll be like, a professor, Professor Chiang, with some vocabulary, a vocabulary lesson. And so here we go. I think it'll be helpful. Um, so we're talking about Lent. So Lent started on February the 14th. If you could uh, put up the next slide. Um, this is the calendar with all these funny, weird uh, kinds of terminology. And so April 1st is Easter Sunday. For this year, uh, Easter Sunday falls on April 1st. And Easter Sunday is the day where Jesus uh, was raised to life again, right? And so everything else, everything else on this calendar is to prepare us or lead us up to Easter Sunday, all right? Okay. So now, Lent. Lent is just a a, a fancy Latin word. It's not um, like um, the word where I lend you money and I lent you money, no? It's not that word. So Lent, Lent is more a Latin word that means spring or springtime or spring season. And so I kind of uh, think of it this way. I kind of think of Lent as a spring cleaning, a spiritual spring cleaning of our hearts to prepare us for Easter. Yeah, so Lent. Now Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. February 14th. So when you went to work, you probably saw some people with ash on their head. You're thinking, what is that? That's so interesting. Well, ash is a symbol for remorse, for mourning, for sorrow, especially uh, mourning and sorrow because of the sin, that de- uh, the sin and how uh, sin causes death in our world and in our own lives. And so that's what Ash Wednesday is. And so Ash Wednesday began on February the 14th. That's the first day of Lent. But the day before Lent, which is Tuesday, is an interesting day. It's February the 13th. It's Shrove Tuesday. Shrove is an interesting word. It's the past past tense of shrive. And so traditionally, what happens is Christians would go to their priest and they would confess their sins. And the priest would shrive them, absolve them of their sins. So it was a day of confession to prepare for Lent, to prepare for Ash Wednesday. But we all know that 
we don't need to see a priest. Yeah? We have um, the mediator between God and man, which is Jesus Christ. And so we can confess at any time. We can repent at any time and receive forgiveness for our sins on any single day, at any single time. Right? But that's Shrove Tuesday. Now, anybody else heard of other terms for Shrove Tuesday? Yell it out. Yeah, Fat Tuesday. Some, some people say Shrove Tuesday is Fat Tuesday. What does that mean? Well, um, it comes from the term Mardi Gras. And Mardi means, it's a French term. And so Mardi means Tuesday, and Gras means fatty. Not fat, but fatty or greasy. So fatty or greasy Tuesday, yeah? And so what happens is, think of it this way. Like if you knew that you're going to fast tomorrow, what are you going to do? You're going to grind. You bet your chicken katsu curry rice that I'm going to eat some local kind grinds before I fast tomorrow. And so that's greasy or fatty Tuesday. Yeah, fat Tuesday. Good term. But interestingly, our world has made Mardi Gras to be a a day of wild partying. That's not the intention. It's not a day of wild partying. So we stay away from Mardi Gras and we just... Eat one good chicken katsu curry rice, yeah? Okay, so that's... And what other terms have you heard for Shrove Tuesday? Anybody ever heard of Pancake Day? Yeah, Pancake Day. Actually, that's a British thing, right? And so what happens is um, on February the 14th, um, you're, you, you usually try to get rid of all your fatty things in your house. You get rid of your oils, you get rid of eggs and butter. Get rid of those fatty things. And so the British, they thought, you know what? A good way to use up all these ingredients, a good way to get rid of all these ingredients is to make some pancakes. So we'll have a pancake meal. So that's why it's called sometimes Pancake Day. And then in the 1800s, our wonderful friends, our Portuguese Catholics, they come to Hawaii and they're like, hey, we got one good way to use up all these ingredients too. And what do they do? They say, introduce Malasada Day. So you see, sometimes on, on um, Shrove Tuesday, the lines are so long for pick up Malasadas. That's why Shrove Tuesday is also called Malasada Day. And then Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent. And usually Ash Wednesday, depending on the Christian tradition, uh, Ash Wednesday lasts all the way through to Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday, or Holy Saturday. And so the dates in March, that's called Holy Week. That's called Holy Week. And Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday. Now, you might be thinking, what is Palm Sunday? That's kind of weird. Well, Palm Sunday is to commemorate when G- the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Everybody thought that Jesus would ride on a stallion, a horse, as a warrior into Jerusalem. But Jesus rode humbly on a donkey into Jerusalem. And the people would, uh, they didn't have red carpets then. And so the people would lay down their cloaks and they would lay down small branches. They would lay down palms to prepare the road for Jesus as he rode on this donkey into Jerusalem. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Well, there's something called... Anybody heard of the term Maundy Thursday? 
Maundy, oh, just a few of you, Maundy Thursday. Um, Maundy Thursday um, comes from the Latin word mandatum, and um, mandatum means mandate. And so if you remember Jesus and his disciples, they were in the upper room on Thursday, and they were having the Last Supper. And they, they were having this meal together. And then Jesus gets up, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, a new mandatum, a new mandate, a new command I give to you. And what is it? Love one another. And so that's why we call it Mandatum Thursday, Mandi Thursday. And then Good Friday is the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross, died, and was buried. But we all know that the grave and death could not contain Jesus. For on the third day, on Easter Sunday, he rose again, ascended to the Father, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And so that's Holy Week. All of this to prepare us for Easter Sunday. And so I want to say this one thing, though. Um, I like the idea of participating in Lent. I think it's a good thing. But just know this. Know that it is not a requirement. Yeah? In fact, if you look, you're like, oh, this is really interesting stuff. Let me go check out my Bible and look up Lent and see what, uh, see what we're supposed to do for Lent. You'll not find it in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Yeah? And so Lent is actually a Christian tradition that has been passed down to us through the centuries. And it's not a requirement. But here's the thing. If you catch the heart behind Lent, and if you choose to participate in Lent, it could actually be a really wonderful time of blessing for you and for myself. And so we choose to participate in Lent. We don't have to participate in Lent. And when I think about, um, when I think about Lent and the heart behind Lent, I think about Isaiah chapter 58. And so if you have your Bibles, now Professor Chiang is going to take off his hat, Professor Chiang hat, and I'm going to put on my Pastor Thomas hat, all right? And so... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. And in Isaiah chapter 58, the people of God, they're fasting. They're seeking God. But here's the problem. The intention of their heart is no good. The motive of their heart is no good. And God is fed up. And so God says to Isaiah... Isaiah, and Isaiah is a prophet. And so God speaks to Isaiah and says, Isaiah, this is the message that I want you to communicate to my people. And listen carefully. This is God speaking, and God is speaking through Isaiah to his people. And this is what God says. God says, Isaiah, cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily 
and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. And listen to what the, listen to what the people are saying. They say this. They say, Why have we fasted, Lord, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And God says, tell the people, Isaiah, this is why. In fact, in the day of your pleasure, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this day a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And then... God says to Isaiah, tell them there's a better way. And here's the better way. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then... You will call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and the Lord will say, Here I am. In Isaiah 58, God sounds like he's angry. And that's because in Isaiah 58, God is angry. You see, God is addressing the intention of the people's heart, the motive of their heart as it relates to fasting. And the people, they have the audacity to come to God and they, and they question God. They say, why have we fasted and you take no notice? They're like, God, we've been fasting We've been afflicting our souls. We've been denying our flesh. We've been sacrificing. How come you no take notice, God? And then in and then they question God. And it's almost like they're saying, "Hey God, look at me." Look at your boy. I've been fasting. Where's the love? Where's the blessings? 
Where's the rewards? Where's the bling, Lord? And God says, are you kidding me? Are you for real? Are you blind? Can't you see that in the same day that you're fasting, that there's oppression, there's injustice, there's wickedness? Tell me that ain't so. And then God says, there's a better way. Why don't you loose the bonds of wickedness? Why don't you undo the heavy burdens? Why don't you let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Why don't you share your food with the hungry? Why don't you invite those that are homeless into your house? When you see the people that are naked and cold, why don't you provide them something to keep warm? There's a better way, God says. Then, see if I won't be behind that. See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out my blessing. There's a better way, God says. And so as we participate, if we choose to, in the Lent season... We have to make sure that the attitude of our heart is right. The motive of our heart is good. And so the purpose of Lent is to prepare our hearts for Easter. Now the practices of Lent are prayer. um, Depending on the Christian tradition, there's a lot of practices for Lent. And so for our purposes, I'll just say that they're prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And prayer and fasting, we've talked about throughout the year, and so we're kind of caught up on prayer and fasting. But almsgiving is an interesting word, and we've never talked about almsgiving. Almsgiving means charity. Almsgiving means being a blessing to the poor and the needy, and the marginalized in our community. It's showing compassion and kindness and generosity, almsgiving, charity. And so, if the purpose of Lent is to prepare our hearts for Easter, if the practices of Lent is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, then I'd like to suggest that the posture of Lent might be something like this. One arm stretched up and one arm stretched out. One arm stretched up to God in prayer and fasting and one arm stretched out to man in almsgiving and charity. Now, Prayer and fasting, we've got down pretty well. In fact, the people in Isaiah had prayer and fasting down pretty well. But it's this muscle, this one arm stretched out to man in almsgiving and charity that sometimes I need to work on this muscle and perhaps it's a muscle that you need to work on. And so this, I wanted to conclude my sermon just with some ideas on almsgiving and charity. And so the first um, 
suggestion. So let's just call it suggestions. The first suggestion that I have for almsgiving and charity is this. The Food Bank of Hawaii, they have this annual food drive, and it's happening right now. All the way from now all the way to the end of April, they have this food drive going on. And so here's a suggestion. How about uh, grab one of these boxes? We have a ton back there. My friend Des- Desiree works at the food bank, and she's also a member of our church, and she brought a ton of boxes for us. But what about, um, so pick it up after service, but what about grabbing one of these boxes, placing it in a prominent location in your home? Just kind of plop it there to remind you, to remind you of Easter and of Lent and of almsgiving. And this is cool because the whole family can participate. Yeah, the kids can participate in this. And what you do is, when you go grocery shopping at Safeway or Foodland or Long's, maybe buy an extra can of soup, an extra can of corn, an extra can of Spam, and kind of start to fill up this box over the next 40 days. And then when Easter comes, maybe bring this box back to church. Drop it off right here, and we'll make sure we get it to the food bank somehow. Yeah, so that'd be an interesting way for one arm stretched out to man in almsgiving and charity. Yeah. Here's another suggestion. How about keeping your eyes open and your heart alert to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and then show Uncommon generosity. Uncommon generosity. My friend um, Leslie and her family have a wonderful quick story on uncommon generosity that I, I wanted her to share. Uh, it happened earlier um, in, in the month of February. And so if you could come up and share about your uncommon generosity story. And this is Leslie. Oh, the whole family decided not to come up. <laughs> Come up, Logan. And uh, this is Logan, and this is Lauren. This is Leslie. Good morning. Can everybody here? Yeah, go ahead. So this happened, we stretched our arm out on this past Monday. It happened at about 6.30 p.m. We were going to Home Depot to buy um, a light bulb because the one in our living room lamp burnt out. So we were driving to Home Depot, and... In the parking lot, we saw a rundown Camry with, you know, the doors all open, and the trunk was up. The father, who I, the guy who I assume was a father, was outside, and the mom was outside of the car, and they looked like they were cleaning up around the trunk and stuff. And we saw, I, well, I saw a toddler in a stroller, and then there was a, a um, car seat on top of the car. So we drove by, and I told Lauren, I want to bless that family with a meal. And so anyway, we went into Home Depot. We did our thing. We, we came out, and they were still there. So we drove through McDonald's, and we bought them a whole spread, like a variety of sandwiches, fries, drinks, and even a dessert. And then we pulled up, and I told Lauren, oh, I want to go out and give, him, give them the food. But then he ended up driving up and then rolled down his window, and he says... Oh, brother, we can bless you with one meal. The guy turned around, and he looked at us. He smiled. He was so happy. He came up to the window. He grabbed 
um, the meal, and then, you know, he said, oh, thank you, thank you, God bless, and we said, God bless, and then we drove away, but that, you know, that feeling in your heart after that sensation you get is just so powerful, you know, like, I just, every time I do stuff like that, it just makes me tear up, and it's not the first time we've done that, you know, we've blessed a lot of people with food, um, and we try to set a good example for our little boy here, um, so like, another example was one time we came back from a party and we had a lot of leftovers and our refrigerator is always full. So on the way back, I made a comment in the car. Oh, you know, I want to let's bless somebody with this this food. And this little boy in the back seat goes, mommy, like a homeless family. And then just right there, you know, like God touched my heart. And that was confirmation that what we're doing is really um, setting into the sky. So, yeah, that's our story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. Uncommon generosity. Isn't that cool? The common thing to do is to drive by. The common thing to do is to do nothing. But let's not be common. This Lent season, let's be uncommon. Let's show uncommon generosity. And so keep your eyes peeled. I believe that God will provide you many opportunities for almsgiving and charity if you'll respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And finally, the third suggestion I have is this. And I hope you, uh, you'll seriously consider this. Um, I'm not going to be even ashamed to ask uh, this of you because this money doesn't go to me, Yeah? And so, I'm, unashamedly, I'm going to ask, would you consider sponsoring a child living in poverty in a third world country for $38 a month through Compassion International? Yes, it's important that we show uncommon generosity locally. But I think it's equally important that we show uncommon generosity globally. Let me give you some statistics on global poverty. The new benchmark that they use is $1.90 a day. And so if you live on $1.90 a day, then you're living in extreme poverty. Anyone live on $1.90 a day here? None of us. $1.90 a day or less, you're living in extreme poverty. You know how many people in our world live in extreme poverty? 700 million people in our world live on less than a dollar and 90 cents a day. In the hour, the 60 minutes that we're all gathered here at church, 11 children under the age of five die every single minute because of poverty. 11 children under the age of five die every single minute. In the 60 minutes that we're here, 660 children will have died who are under the age of five because of poverty. 35 mothers will have died in the 60 minutes that we've gathered here. 35 mothers who are giving birth will have died during childbirth, just in the 60 minutes that we're gathered here because of poverty. And my, my, when my wife and I, we heard these statistics, 
we said, gosh, that ain't so. We can't not do anything. And so we decided to do something. And so my wife and I, for many years, we've uh, sponsored two children through Compassion International. We give $38 a month for each of these children for many, many years. Now you might be thinking, Pastor, how do you know it's real? Get so much scams out there. How do you know it's not fake? How do you know you're not giving to something and you don't know where the money going? And I get it. I understand. I'm Pake, guys. I understand. Yeah? Like, it's hard to even get a dollar out of me. I'm so Pake. And so, let me just share this experience with you and maybe let you decide for yourself. In 2008, I had the privilege to visit the Philippines. And I was able in the Philippines to visit with Compassion International. I was able to visit their humble headquarters in the Philippines. I was able to visit some of the churches that Compassion International partners with. I was able to visit a bunch of the children that Compassion International helps. And then, here's the exciting part, I kid you not, they took me to visit the child that my wife and I have been sponsoring for many years. I got to visit the child that I was sponsoring. And here's a picture of him. His name is Richard Badilla. And and here we are at his church. And Compassion International always works in partnership with the local church, always. That's why I love Compassion. They always work with the local church. And so here we are at the local church where he receives help through Compassion International. Richard Badilla. Next photo. And that's the staff at this local church. Wonderful staff. They're so organized. You won't believe this, but they have a binder for each child. I was able to look through the binders. I was able to see Richard's progress over the years. Not only that, I was able to see the letters that I wrote Richard. They also encourage you not only to give money, but to write letters to each other. So they write you, you write them back. I saw the letters in this binder. And then I looked at other binders. I was like, hey, ma'am, how come this, um, this particular kid, no more any letters? And, and, and the staff member will say, oh, well, yeah, some of the kids, when letter day comes, they're all bummed because... They don't get letters, and we have to explain why. And so we usually just tell them, oh, the, those, um, our friends in America, they work very hard. And so, so that's why there's no letters. But they still love you, and they're still praying for you. Let's pray for them. So that's the excuse that they give. So if you uh, sponsor a child, I want to encourage you not only to give money, but to write. Because they write you, you write them back. Yeah. Next slide. And here we are, um, Richard and I, Playing uh, ping pong. I get embarrassed every time I uh, look at this picture because look at this poor kid living in poverty and here I am with my game face like trying to win the gold for Team, team China. 
ASMH, and I, I, I beat him, I blew him away. <laughs> I, I felt so bad. I didn't, I, I'm just so competitive that way. Sorry, church. And so, man, Lord, please deliver me from my competitive spirit. And so to lick his wounds, I took him to Jollibee afterwards, and we had a meal together. We had a great time, though. And so the next slide. This is uh, Richard's uh, home. I actually got to visit his home, a very poor part of town. And in, his home is like the size of right here, this stage uh, area where the worship band is. That's the entire home, kitchen and um, bedroom, a bedroom. That's the entire home right here. Next slide. Um, that's um, Richard and his family. Right in the middle is his dad. Uh, Mr. Badilla is a single father raising five children. His wife died of illness. And so he's a taxi driver. He makes $10. $10 a day. Not $10 an hour. $10 a day. And that's on a good day. Beautiful family. Next slide. And so I want to encourage you, man. I was able to go to the Philippines and kick the tires of this organization, if you will. And I'm, I'm here to testify that it's a good organization, good people, very legit organization. My wife and I have been sponsoring children for many years, and I want to encourage you to sponsor a child. Wouldn't it be cool if you, like, said, hey, Let's choose a day during Lent and you call your spouse and you call your children over to the computer and you say, hey guys, bring your piggy banks. We're going to um, sponsor a child. That will be our almsgiving and charity, our arms stretched out to man during the Lent season. And then you go to compassion.com and then you click on sponsor a child. And it's really cool. You actually can search for a child. Where in the world, what country would you like to sponsor this child from? And then gender, male or female, and then you can choose even the date range. Then you can also choose their birthday, if you like, or some other significant day in your life, or one of your child's birthday. Plug it in, might have a child that pops up. And so you'll get children, and the list is pretty long for the Philippines, and you as a family, maybe let your kids decide, hey, can I look at the profile for this kid and let your, your children decide which kid that you want to sponsor for $38 a month. For $38 a month, your child, through the local church, will receive medical care. They'll receive nutritious food. They'll receive hygiene and health training. They'll receive educational assistance mentoring, and most importantly, here it is, they always work through the local church so you can be assured that they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be encouraged to live and develop a lifelong relationship with God. Isn't that cool? The purpose of Lent, to prepare our hearts for Easter. The practices of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. The posture of Lent, one arm stretched up.
to God in prayer and fasting, and one arm stretched out to man in almsgiving and charity. Amen? Let us pray.